When in Spain listeners, soy yo. Yeah, it's me, Paul Burge, your host for this, the When in Spain podcast. A very warm welcome to you, wherever you're listening to this show, all about Spain. Yeah, you can come to Spain anytime you want through your ears and this podcast. So let's travel by ear to España. Uh, in this episode, well, I'm going to take you to one of the most eccentric wacky, impressive buildings I think I've ever seen in Spain. It might be the craziest building I've seen anywhere in the world so far, actually. So stay with me because I'm going to be guiding you around it, describing it to you and sharing the really fascinating story behind it. So I'm going to be taking you about 20 kilometers east of Madrid to the small and fairly ordinary nondescript town of Mejorada del Campo. Now, the town itself doesn't really warrant a visit for any particular reason apart from the amazing Cathedral of Don Justo Gallego. Now, I've been to many religious buildings around Spain and around the world over the years, but I have never, ever seen anything quite like this place. Don Justo was a former monk uh, who got kicked out of the monastery. And you'll hear all about the story about Don Justo in the uh, episode in a minute. And uh, as a mark of uh, his devotion to the Catholic faith, he decided to build a cathedral on his own, from scratch, basically using whatever materials he could get his hands on, recycled materials, things that he kind of scavenged, building materials which were donated to him from local businesses and this kind of thing. And during 60 years, he's managed to construct, with a little bit of help, I think, along the way, but he's managed to construct this very impressive, very large, uh, 24,000 square feet, uh, 70 foot high dome on the cathedral. He's managed to construct this thing uh, using all sorts of materials and it really is the most bizarre and kind of awe-inspiring sight that you're ever going to see plonked right in the middle of a very ordinary town surrounded by you know apartment blocks and that kind of thing and that's where we're going. Um, I have always wanted to go to this place um, and I never got the opportunity to go and I ended up going by coincidence really because I happened to be passing through Mejorada del Campo last weekend. So I thought, well, I've got to go and see this place, and what a place it is. So stay tuned for that. Um, it's a really fascinating story behind the place, um, and uh, try to bring it to life for you. On that note, for When in Spain patrons, uh, incidentally, big thanks to When in Spain patron supporters for making this show possible, and in fact, for making this podcast series possible. For the When in Spain patrons, I posted a few videos that I'd shot inside uh, the Don Justo Gallego Cathedral um, to give you a clearer idea. So if you become a patron, you'll get access to this kind of stuff uh, to give you a clearer picture. So big thanks to patrons. Um, just to say, if you do enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support it with donations, no matter how small, every little counts, you can become a When in Spain patron by heading across to patreon.com forward slash 
when in Spain. Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash when in Spain. It's a crowdfunding website. I talk about it a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry for boring existing patrons about this every episode. Um, but it's really important for me to uh, try and get a little bit of financial support to keep the podcast going and growing. And um, so, yeah, if you do enjoy it. You know what to do. Head across to patreon.com, sign up. There are numerous tiers you can sign up to. Minimum tier is $3, and there are numerous tiers above that that you can sign up to if you sign up at the five or above, which I will be producing a lot more of. Um, Now, today is my last day of teaching English. Hurrah! (laughs) I'll be able to dedicate a lot more uh, time to this podcast and indeed bonus content for patrons. I've been so busy this summer. Um, It's, I don't know why, more than than usual, more than previous years. So apologies if the podcast has been a bit sporadic, um, but we're back into the swing. I will sign off now. Let's get into the good stuff. I'll be back at the end of the show with a few bits of uh, personal information, a few updates, and to say goodbye. Okay, vamos! Here I am in Mejorada del Campo, stood right in front of the cathedral now, looking up at it. We've got a real mishmash of building materials. It's quite incredible. Little bits of red brick with holes in. We've got blue metal tubes. We've got concrete, what look like shells. Some of it has been kind of rendered and plastered. Most of the facade has not, so we've got all these exposed bits of red brick, like bit, very thin slithers of, of red brick with holes in, with what looks like not very much cement between them, to be honest. We've got a, a series of round stained glass windows, which Don Justo, as I understand it, has made himself. Uh, a series of blue round stained glass windows, blue and yellow and red. Um, and at the top of the structure, we've got what look like blue metal pipes, blue and white pipes of varying... Uh, thicknesses and lengths a little blue dome on the top a series of arches all looks very very handmade and to the right of me five small turrets are all quite crudely made And, and the strange thing is this cathedral is on a fairly nondescript street in this satellite town of Madrid, Mejorada del Campo, um, surrounded by very nondescript apartment buildings. And then here you have this truly strange structure. As you may have heard in previous episodes, listeners, I've been to many cathedrals around Spain and I have never ever seen anything quite like this. It's beautiful in its kind of chaos and its kind of higgledy-piggledy nature. So I'm just walking along the outside of the nave and I'm going to walk into the entrance, this is a side entrance and the nave on the outside is flanked by one, two, three, four large uh, turrets, towers which are made of concrete, little bits of brick, wire mesh um, and at the top of the towers what looks like they're crowned with kind of like air conditioning duct you know those sort of metal bendy tubes. Each tower, or actually only three of the towers, are crowned with these air conditioning duct pipes. Um, and the one of them is not, so you must have run out of air conditioning duct to do that. And then inside 
the towers at the top which are exposed it's got some kind of interesting mixture of concrete and metal kind of all mashed together um, which is very sort of crudely done and but then you've got these lovely quite ornate figures like heads in between these uh, these towers and these turrets you've got another turret which looks pretty precarious and this is the thing Don Justo had no training in architecture or construction or stonemasonry um, he just started building we're here on Saturday morning and there are probably at least a dozen people uh, milling around um, well anyway we're going to walk inside and walking into this concrete arch made of layers of concrete uh, Reinforced concrete, looks like he's got uh, curled metal coils inside the concrete. The floor is painted blue, and as we walk into the nave, the first thing that strikes you is you can't help but look up to this huge dome structure. And dome structure, as at the moment, does not have any glass inside it so you've got this domed structure in the center of the nave as you walk in uh, made from blue metal uh, and interestingly um, because it's exposed the sun can stream in and the rain can pour in but uh, there's a bird's nest there's a, quite a large bird's nest in the top of the dome and we've got birds flying around inside the cathedral so I'm in the nave the structure in total it's staggering to think that he built this himself over all of these years but the structure covers something like 24,000 square feet it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing the structure in terms of height it must be I don't know 50 feet the, the, the apex of the dome must reach up to something like 60 possibly 70 feet so in the nave one part of the nave is uh, it's got a, a, a balcony and part of the floor is paved with marble the other part of the floor is just kind of rough concrete so everything is half finished it's quite interesting how he's just kind of started one part moved on to another part left it half finished and this, this, this is what gives it its charm from the inside you've got the you can see very clearly the stained glass windows that I was talking about on the outside which are uh, five circular windows inset with uh, red and yellow and blue glass and uh, along the sides of the naves we've got some uh, hand-painted scenes from from the Bible um, I don't know if Don Justo painted those himself or whether somebody else actually did the painting the other interesting thing about this we're in the nave of the cathedral um, it's also kind of a half building yard because where I'm standing now we've got pallets uh, stacked with cement, plaster, um, you've got like some tools and machinery, there are four big car tyres stacked up, you've got panels of glass, you've got old tables, some bricks strewn around and then just at the other end of the nave where I'm looking now we've probably got a couple of dozen uh, cans of what looked like maybe paint or creosote or something like that and at the very end of the nave you've just got like broken bits of tile and uh, just rubble basically so it's, it looks <laughs> like a building site it's quite 
strange. Um, so looking up to the crypt, Jesus Christ on a cross, uh, and then in above written in gold uh, on what, what looks like a metal beam, which is supported by two concrete structures. It says Casa de Dios, Puerta del Cielo, a house of God, door to heaven or door of heaven. Um, and then above the crypt, there's another just crazy structure which doesn't look very safe um, which is um, supported by this metal girder where it says Casa de Dios Puerta del Cielo and on top of that there's another dome uh, made of all sorts of bits of mangled metal coils old bits of scaffolding pole there are bits of wood lots of things propped up he's uh, looks like he's working on that at the moment absolutely incredible to think that he's well into his 90s and he's still climbing up and down ladders and he's probably here I haven't seen him because I've just walked in but I've noticed that there is a sign on the wall which is por favor no preguntar a justo no puede hablar as it says please don't speak or don't ask questions uh, to justo because he can't speak and it says it's also uh, forbidden to take photos uh, of him as well so let's explore a little bit of Don Justo's life. He was born in 1925, uh, which at the time of recording this uh, makes him 95 years old. Um, now he'd always aspired uh, to be a monk when he was a teenager, and he actually uh, fulfilled that uh, aspiration to be a monk. And he spent eight years as a Trappist monk in Soria at the Santa Maria de la Huerta Monastery um, but he was actually expelled from the order due to poor health. Um, he had contracted tuberculosis. So he'd spent eight years as a monk at the monastery in Soria. Uh, he contracted tuberculosis and while well, it was thought that he could infect the other monks. Um, so um, he had to go. However, there is another side to the story, maybe the reason why he had to go as well. Um, There's lots of uh, interesting stories surrounding Don Justo. He's quite an enigmatic character. Um, so it might only be half the story. Some say that it was because he was too devout. He was an extremely devout Catholic. And some uh, of his um, peers among the Brotherhood thought that he was too devout. So he would work more than anyone else. He would pray more. He would fast more. And they say that it may well have been that extreme Spartan existence that led to the decline of his uh, physical health. So eventually the abbot at the monastery summoned Gallego's family in order to have him removed from the monastery. So when this happened, he was uh, about 34 years old. He was taken back to his family home in the Pueblo of Mejorada del Campo, where the cathedral is and where I'm speaking to you from, um, which is just outside Madrid. It's about 15 kilometers uh, east of Madrid, uh, kind of halfway between Madrid and Alcalá de Henares. In 1963, his mother passed away and she bequeathed Don Justo Gallego uh, a large plot of land uh, in the center of the town. So this is when the idea was born. He thought that he would never uh, be allowed to enter a Catholic church as an ordained member of the faith. Uh, then he would look for another way to express his devotion. And the way he would express his devotion to the Catholic faith was none other than to build what we see today, which is this cathedral. 
So the cathedral is known uh, locally as the Don Justo Gallego Cathedral or Don Justo Cathedral uh, and officially the cathedral is known as Nuestra Señora del Pilar. Um, in 1961 was when the construction started um, on this plot of land that his mother had left him which was an olive grove and so he began measuring out the plot. Uh, he didn't seek any planning permission, building permission or permits or anything like that. Um, he basically marked out the plot of land himself and he began laying the foundations of what uh, we have today, which is this uh, incredibly eclectic uh, hodgepodge mishmash of all different types of building materials, as I was saying, um, to which have been donated and scavenged um, to build the cathedral. Now it's commonly understood that uh, Don Justo really has built this cathedral single-handedly since 1961. Um, he has had help along the way, friends and friends of the family. In fact, at one point he had enlisted the help of his six nephews, but there was some kind of falling out. Along the way, he has received some professional uh, help from architects and engineers and volunteers as well but uh, for the most part the cathedral really is the realization of his own dream and he's done it uh, really with his own two hands which is just when you see the scale of this uh, this cathedral uh, is just quite mind-blowing how has he financed the work well as i said lots of the building materials have been donated but he's also uh, derived an income through renting other inherited land um, that is close by in the same uh, village or town I should say of Mejorada del Campo so he rents a few houses which were built on the plot of land as well but um, for me it really is quite incredible when you see this structure that he never trained as an architect or an engineer he had no background in this whatsoever um, and indeed his own formal education has been interrupted by the Spanish Civil War uh, in the late 1930s um, prior to entering uh, the monastery as a Trappist monk. Um, so he left the monastery, found himself with no trade and uh, so he decided to undertake this project undeterred. The locals in the uh, town of Mejorado del Campo actually referred to him as the madman, the, the local mad madman. They thought he was absolutely crazy uh, that he was single-handedly building this uh, one-man one cathedral, one-man job. And he took his inspiration really from detailed pictures of churches and cathedrals from all around Spain and indeed the world. And uh, you really get a sense of this when you walk around the cathedral on the outside and on the inside. Uh, it's a real mix and match design. Uh, the main cupola, which is apparently modeled on the St. Peter's in Rome, and really it is more than just the cupola and the nave. Um, his design incorporated numerous other uh, extensions and a complex of buildings and uh, passageways uh, as well. Um, all the kind of, I suppose, the component parts of what you call a real cathedral. It's got a bell tower, a cloister, a crypt. There are spiral staircases that lead um, to an upper level and uh, uh, even the roof, the upper level, is kind of like this mezzanine. Um, and you look down, you can see there's a huge abundance of courtyards and towers and turrets. I mean, it's incredibly ambitious, really, really ambitious and, and, and quite detailed. 
So in fact, here's a little clip of Don Justo speaking, uh, just to give you a little impression. He's a real character. I, lo I love his voice, I love the way he speaks, and for his age, incredibly uh, animated and, and quite sprightly actually, quite incredible. Um, now I didn't interview him, in fact he very rarely speaks to people, he very rarely gives interviews and uh, as I said there's a sign saying please don't talk to him, don't ask him any questions. So he's usually seen walking around in blue overalls, dusty blue overalls, a white shirt and really well known for his little red, uh, kind of like a red beret that he wears. But I've got a little clip uh, which is from a little mini documentary I found uh, called The Lone Man Building a Cathedral by Hand uh, from the Great Big Story Network. Here's a little clip of him in Spanish. Afterwards, I'll translate it. When I started to build cathedral, all the corridors were this, that I was crazy. And they didn't believe that I was so constant. Y bueno, les estoy dando como un revés a la gente. Y eso me agrada porque para que vean que cuando un hombre confía en Cristo. So he just said that when I started to build this cathedral, the word on the street was that I was crazy. They didn't believe I was going to be so dedicated and well, I'm proving them wrong. And it makes me happy because they see what a man can do when he trusts in Christ. I'm going to leave the nave now and I'm going to explore the complex a bit more. Just to the right of the nave um, there is a little passageway and there are also steps which take you up, which I'm going to walk up as well. Um, now I heard about this cathedral years ago and this is somewhere that I've been meaning to come to for a long time. And and to be honest, um, it's quite difficult to get to. Well, it's, it's, it's a bit out of the way. You have to catch a bus from the centre. It's easier to get to by car. But um, I'm really glad that today I've come here with Karina and Karina's sister with a completely different motive. We were coming here to buy some fresh produce, some corn from a kind of local, from a farmer's market. Uh, where they bring the produce directly from the farm. So that's what we were here for. Just so happens that this farmer's market is almost right next to um, this cathedral. So I'm just walking up the steps now to the kind of mezzanine. And as I look across, we've got another series of what, five domes. Some of them have got glass in, some of them haven't. Some of them have got colored glass in, some of them have got clear glass. Blue pipes, which have been coated in white plaster and cement, it looks like. It's so eccentric, but it's quite wonderful. It's kind of modern, it's very colorful. You can definitely see uh, similarities or references to uh, the Sagrada Familia. Um, Don Justo says that he's taken inspiration from his favorite cathedrals, churches and castles and even the White House in Washington DC apparently. He's taken inspiration from all of these places uh, and you can really tell it's an eclectic mix of kind of styles that is for sure. So I'm just walking up these beautiful staircase sort of curved steps inset with white and beige uh, marble 
which is obviously whatever he could get his hands on. At the top of the stairs, loads of bags of cement. <laughs> Exposed metal. More stained glass. There are some concrete balls on posts, which look like they are due to be set into some other structure. Empty plastic tubs. There's a gap in the uh, window here where there's no glass. I can look right across the countryside, the kind of arid plains into the distance. You can uh, probably hear the sound of the <laughs> many birds inside the cathedral. So, you know, essentially the structure is formed. It's mostly enclosed, but many of the windows are missing uh, glass. Uh, in fact, a lot of the windows are missing glass, um, but most importantly, the, the huge blue dome structure is completely without glass. So I guess water gets in and I guess birds get in. The structure has been checked by the local authorities to test its you know, safety, to make sure it's basically safe for people to walk around in and it's not going to collapse. So for the most part, the structure is sound, you can roam around freely inside. There isn't really anywhere that's out of bounds um, apart from a couple of areas where they are storing building materials. I think uh, Don Justo has his little personal space uh, office as well. But you'll basically walk in, you're free to roam around wherever you like, um, which um, you might think at first, wow, <laughs> really? Um, health and safety wise, <laughs> there's no health and safety. Uh, you know, there are bits where there are no barriers, where there are sheer drops down to the floor below. I'm just up on the mezzanine still. And there's actually, uh, uh, he's also built a courtyard. There's a big blue courtyard um, with some kind of half finished pillar in the middle with a few plants and weeds growing around it. Uh, it's a cloistered courtyard uh, with little arches and it's a real labyrinth. I think in total there are something like, I don't know, there must be at least two dozen separate rooms that you notice as you walk around. Once you leave the main nave you can follow these little corridors I'm lost. See, I've managed to get myself lost. I'm <laughs> trying to get back downstairs. Um, there are these little corridors, bags of cement everywhere. It's just cement everywhere. Old bits of wood, pallets. Um, you can definitely see the Gaudi influence. I'm walking down the staircase now. It's lots of mosaic, vibrant colours. Steps are quite steep, actually. You can just look at these steps, it's quite amazing. You can see that they've been moulded by his by his bare hands, basically. Quite incredible to think that he's done this on his own. Really is quite amazing. Okay, so I've followed a corridor into a room with photographs, with lots of effigies of Jesus Christ and Mary the Virgin. Crosses, stacks of old 
religious iconography and photos and it's kind of a workshop as well semi-workshop we've got a workbench with chisels bits of wood vices glue gloves splinters of wood everyone on the floor and then you have what looks like a shrine uh, basically right next to it which looks like our lady of pilar um, to which the cathedral is uh, dedicated with beautiful light streaming in through the the dome blue red and yellow making a beautiful pattern on some old carpet which looks like old office carpet you know those kind of squares you get which are like carpet squares you put down square by square that's what he's got in here another staircase sectioned off with a bit of old sheet and I'm now down to the other side of the, uh, the courtyard I was talking about So what of the future of the cathedral? Well, I don't know. It seems like uh, it may have a sad end to this story, which uh, for me is a real shame, given that he's devoted so much of his life single-handedly to building this structure. Um, he's 95 now. Looking around the cathedral, um, you would think there's at least another 10 or 15 years work still to do. The structure is half finished, um, there are gaps and holes um, and in its, everything's very crudely done so it hasn't been finished to a particularly high standard which I think is 100% part of its charm but the question here is you know he is not going to finish this place before he passes away. Um, inside the cathedral um, there is actually a, a grave that's been dug um, for Don Justo. So uh, uh, he plans to be interred in his cathedral but as for the future of the cathedral well it doesn't have any building uh, permission, it doesn't necessarily meet all of the necessary structural codes um, and you might be thinking at this point but how can people members of the public go in and walk around it if it's not safe um, as far as I understand it um, over the years the local ayuntamiento the local council has sent teams of structural engineers to check over the building um, the most important parts the parts that you can actually walk around and they've, they've given it the once over and according to them they've deemed it safe and secure for people to enter to walk around to climb up to the upper floor um, but realistically it doesn't meet any uh, building codes whatsoever um, and he doesn't have any permission for it and also the cathedral has not been recognized by the Catholic Church either so that is the question that remains what will happen when Don Justo eventually passes away will the cathedral be pres preserved will um, they modify it in some way to keep some of the structure um, or will they simply just bulldoze it knock it down um, sell off this huge plot of land uh, which um, is worth a lot of money from my understanding will they just knock it all down sell off the land to developers and uh, build um, apartment blocks which actually at the moment uh, where it's situated is all you can see around the cathedral are just your average kind of 1950s 1960s apartment blocks is that the fate 
of the cathedral and uh, no one knows for sure um, at the moment but for me personally I really hope not it's an incredibly I've never been in a building like this really it's incredibly eccentric very interesting to see so if you're visiting Madrid and you want something kind of wacky and uh, very eccentric to see I highly recommend it um, you don't need long, you probably only need a couple of hours uh, to walk around the cathedral. Mejorada del Campo itself, as I said, it's about 15 miles uh, east of Madrid. Um, there isn't really much in the town. It's got some bars and cafes, restaurants. It's nothing special. It's not particularly uh, beautiful or um, historic. The, the main landmark in the town is indeed Don Justo's Cathedral. But you could go there for a few hours, make an afternoon or a morning of it, and then go and have a coffee and something to eat in one of the nearby bars or restaurants. How to get there? A little bit tricky to get to. Um, Probably easier if you have a car, but whether you're coming to Madrid and hiring a car, I don't know, probably unlikely, but you can get to it on the bus. And how to get there, what you need to do, there are two public buses from the center of Madrid. One goes from Avenida de América. Uh, the bus line is line 282. And then the other one is the uh, Conde Casal, Conde de Casal. Uh, which is where you catch it, it's line 341. So those are the two uh, buses that take you out to uh, Mejorada del Campo. Um, and the bus stop that you need in Mejorada is on Calle de Arquitecto Antoni Gaudi, um, Gaudi Street, basically, um, which is right next to the cathedral, which, uh, interestingly, the street was renamed after Don Justo. I'm not sure exactly when, but after Don Justo had started building the cathedral. And as I mentioned, uh, you can see a lot of references to the kind of Gaudi-esque style of architecture. Um, uh, the local council decided to name the street that it's on. Uh, as a kind of nod to his work, I guess, calling it Architect Anthony Gaudi Street. So that's where you need to get off the bus. I would also say that if you do have access to car, it's a, a useful stop-off, actually, to make on your way to Alcalá de Henares. And Alcalá de Henares is definitely worth a visit. It's Cervantes' hometown, so you can go and see Cervantes' house. Once you're in Mejorada del Campo, you're already halfway to Alcalá. So if you did have access to a car, um, that would make the perfect day trip. You could stop off uh, Mejorada del Campo, see the cathedral, and then head off to Alcalá de Henares, which is actually a, a lovely town. It's got a quite a, an attractive uh, historic center. It's a lot bigger than Mejorada del Campo. And of course, it's got all of the Cervantes history behind it, and you can go and see uh, Cervantes' house as well. So I would recommend doing that if you could. So there you have it, Don Justo. What a character. What a man. <laughs> I mean, I think it's quite hard to do it justice um, through a podcast and audio, but I really wanted to make an episode about this place. Um, if any of you guys are ever in Madrid for, I guess, a, an extended period of time, um, it may not be on your uh, top of your list of uh, sites uh, and attractions to see in the Spanish capital. But if you're here for any period of time and you wanted to see something which is very, very alternative, very different, and frankly, which may not be around, forever um, we don't know yet as I mentioned in the in the uh, earlier in the episode um, it's well worth it you can get out and go and see it and as I said it's a little stop off you can make 
uh, on the way to Alcalá de Henares as well. Just before I go, I'd just like to say quickly that When in Spain is on all the usual social media platforms. If you're new to this podcast, maybe this is the uh, first episode you've listened to. Um, we've got a When in Spain Facebook group. Uh, which is free to join, obviously. You can follow When in Spain on Instagram. The handle is at When in Spain 1, where I share photographs. I'll be posting some photos of the Don Justo Cathedral on the Instagram uh, account, When in Spain Instagram account, uh, so that you can put some pictures to the uh, mental images that I've hopefully created for you. And uh, we're on Twitter as well. I don't really use Twitter very much. If you'd like to get in touch with me directly for any reason, feedback about the podcast, uh, future episode ideas, a collaboration, you can email me at wheninspain1 at outlook.com. And don't forget, check out the When in Spain website, which is wheninspainpodcast.com. Uh, all the episodes are on there available to stream. I'm in the process of... Uh, um, transferring all of the episodes, 75 episodes, I think, onto the website and adding more detailed show notes, photos, videos, this kind of thing, which accompany the podcast episode. So do go and check out the When in Spain website, whenInSpainPodcast.com. Um, what else did I want to tell you? Next week, uh, Karina and myself, and uh, for those of you who are new to this podcast and think, who the hell is Karina? Karina is my future wife. We are heading off to Portugal, believe it or not, next week. Now, when we booked these tickets, we were hoping that uh, the worst of the uh, COVID-19 situation um, was behind us. At the moment in Madrid, and well, not in Madrid so much, but in Spain and other parts of Europe, there seems to be um, fresh outbreaks again, and it's uh, on the rise again, sadly. We are still hoping to go. Anyway, what I'm saying is I'm going to digress slightly from the usual When in Spain podcast, and I'm going to make an episode actually about Lisbon, where we're spending two nights, and I've been there before. I know the city quite well. And the island of Madeira, which is a place we've always wanted to go to and indeed where our friends live. Um, so I'm going to do a little When in Portugal episode. Um, and I'm, laptop's coming with me because Karina's uh, going to need to do a bit of work, uh, unfortunately for her, um, while we're away. So the laptop's coming with us, which means I can edit while we're away. We're only going away for 10 days or so. Um, and I might put a little episode together about Lisbon and also Madeira. Now, I think it's worth doing. I know this podcast is about Spain and it will always be about Spain. But I think occasionally maybe it's useful to include, um, you know, viable side trips from Spain and and uh, Lisbon certainly is a viable side trip from Spain. Um, Portugal's right next door, as we all know. Uh, a beautiful, beautiful city. Very different to any Spanish city I've been to. Very different to Madrid. And I would say Lisbon doesn't really feel like a capital city. Uh, incredibly uh, beautiful, incredibly hilly, um, and great food. Uh, affordable. Anyway, um, I'm going to bring you an episode about Lisbon, if you don't mind. Um, we'll be back to Spain in the middle of August, when I'll be continuing with more episodes about Spain. Of course, that's what we're here for. That's what my job is, is to bring you insights into life in Spain. Anyway, I'll leave it there because uh, I have the tendency to ramble on as soon as I switch the microphone on. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. New episode coming, um, well, I think next week uh, or maybe the week after. I am aware that uh, episodes have become a bit patchy lately. That is just purely because of my work commit commitments with teaching, which finishes today. 
Um, but of course we're traveling and we're on holiday. So um, I'm hoping that uh, maybe the end of next week or the beginning of the week after, I will be bringing you an episode from Portugal. And then once we get back to Spain, I'll be back into the swing of weekly episodes. So I will leave it there. And don't forget, if you do enjoy this podcast series, you know what to do. Head over to Patreon, sign up, even if it's just $3. Incidentally, you can edit that down to just a dollar um, if you think it's worth just a dollar. Enough self-promotion. Thank you so much for listening. Stay well and stay safe wherever you are around the world or around Spain. And I will speak to you again very, very soon. Until then, hasta luego. Hasta luego.